John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast. I'm continuing on with this session on truth that I've been doing over the last few podcast sessions. And this week, what I want to look at is truth as armor. It's important that we understand this because truth is part of the armor that the Lord has given us. Now, I want to go into a couple of scriptures first. I'll start with the first one in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I want to begin reading in this um, chapter of 2 Corinthians 6 from verse 3. It says, We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. And that's an important thing too. We need to make sure we are not putting obstacles up in anyone's way. Um, I have tried to do this in the ministry that I do. All of the things I offer, as as you know, the, the name of my website is Free Gift from God. Com. The important word out of that is free. Um, nothing on my website is for sale. I don't believe that anyone. I don't believe that anyone should sell God's word. The teachings, the insights, the understandings that I received, I receive for free. I'm not going to charge people for things that I got for nothing. The Lord has seen fit to show me things, and I am doing my part as a servant of the Lord to try and pass those on to other people who want to know these things for free. So even putting an obstacle like a price is an obstacle because some people can't afford things. Um, I used to have my books. um, I've got about half a dozen or so books on my website. I used to have those up on Amazon. But under Amazon's rule, I had to charge for them because obviously Amazon wanted to take a cut. Now, the price I put on was the lowest that I could put, which was 99 cents U.S., But the thing was, it was still an obstacle. So as a result of that, I said, Lord, if you want anyone to read any of my books, then you will direct them to my website. And I took them off Amazon because I don't believe even 99 cents is, in some cases, it's too great an obstacle for people. If someone wants to read my books, they can get them free. And they can still get them in the same formats, and in fact, more formats than what they could have got from um, the Amazon website as well. So I'm trying to live this in the way that I do this work that I do. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. Uh, Verse 4, But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, through great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, tumults, labours, watching, and hunger. And these are some of the things that Paul and his, uh, the people that he was uh, travelling with, his companions, had to go through. They went through some of these things. And we will too. Great endurance, afflictions, hardships, calamities, goodness knows we've been through those sorts of things. Uh, Beatings, maybe not so much. Imprisonment, some people have been. Not in my country, but certainly in, uh, in some other countries. People are imprisoned and they're actually beaten and put to death. Tumults, labours, watching, hunger. Now, the important thing in the next verse is he explains how they dealt with each of these issues. In verse 6, it says, they dealt with these things by purity, knowledge, forbearance, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. So these are the ways that they actually dealt with these things. And many of those things deal with truth, specifically truthful speech. We don't lie to people. There's no point to lying to people. I mean, lies are, fabrications, are, they require more lies and more lies, and you end up building a web of lies and you get caught in it like a fly in a spider's trap. 
truthful speech. Truth is one of those key things. One of them, it said, was the Holy Spirit. And we saw in a session I did last time, I think it was, speaking about the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of truth. So all of these things, purity, I mean, you can't be pure without the truth. Knowledge, what is this knowledge? It's the knowledge of the way that the Lord works. It's the knowledge of the truth. Forbearance, that's patience. Kindness, well, truthful people are kind. Untruthful people are not kind. Genuine love, not faking it, genuine love, the love of the Lord. And uh, and truthful speech and the power of God with weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. And these are some of the weapons of righteousness. Truthful speech is one of the weapons of righteousness. And we see these things. This is the armour. Truth is part of our armour. Um, the next scripture I'm going to look at is in uh, John chapter 17. In this scripture, in John 17, we see this is where Jesus is praying for the church. And this is part of his prayer. He says, I do not pray, this is verse 15 I'm reading from, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. So Jesus was praying that his people, his disciples, would not be attacked or under the influence of the devil. And he said, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Now that's the same with us. If we have been baptized into Jesus Christ, into his death and resurrection, we understand that, we are no longer citizens of this world, but we are citizens of the kingdom of God, which is not of this world. And that's what he's saying there. They are not of this world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them. To sanctify someone is to make them holy. Make them holy. He's saying sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. So he wants us to be made holy, And this is how we are made holy through the truth. And he says, thy word, that's the word of God, your word, God, the Father, is the truth. And he has given us his words in the Bible. Now, we need to study and understand the Bible, not what other people say about it. You need to have a look at it yourself. You need to understand what is written in the Bible if you want to find the truth. And what better place when he says, thy word is truth, the the, the words of the Father are the truth, and he's given us his words in the Bible. So you're reading the knowledge, the insights, the information, the truth that the Father has given us. Thy word is truth. Verse 18. As you did send me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be consecrated in the truth. And this is it. We've been consecrated. To be consecrated is to be separated and to be uh, and to be made righteous, to be made holy in the truth. In the truth. Part of the weapons or part of the uh, truth as armour is it separates us from the world. To be consecrated is to be separated. It separates us from the world. How are we separated? By the truth. Because we follow the truth, because we understand, because we are learning to know what the truth says, and because we follow in the truth that Jesus has given. And that's what he says. They are separated because of the truth. And he goes on, verse 20. I do not pray for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word. Well, that's us. We have believed through the words of those who followed Jesus. They wrote it down for us. We have the words of John which is what I'm reading right now. And there's Matthew and Mark and Luke and Paul and James and Peter and all of those others who wrote the books of the New Testament that bear witness to Jesus. And we have 
believed and understand and come to know the Lord through their testimony. And so he's praying for us when it said, I do not pray for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word. And that's us. That they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And that's the aim. Our aim is to be so closely entwined with Jesus that we are one with him, that we are one with the Father, that we are in him and he is in us, so that we are walking totally in the truth. And that's part of this armour that we have. Now, as we go on, the last scripture I want to look at in this particular one is in um, Ephesians chapter 6, which talks about the armour of God. Ephesians 6. I'll read from verse 10. It says, Finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now we should, uh, I'll put emphasis on that word whole. Put on the whole armour of God. You can't be strong. You can't, if you think about a a soldier going into battle, if he's only got half his armour on, then he's vulnerable. There are places where the enemy can uh, can cut through that armor and uh, and he can um, severely injure or even kill him. And that's why he's saying here, put on the whole armor of God, not part of it, but all of it, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we are not contending against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. In case you haven't already realized it, we are fighting a war, but it is a spiritual war. It's not a war against other men. And in fact, even if the devil uses another person to attack you in some way, verbally or, uh, or, or whatever, it's not the person that is the problem. It's the devil who stands behind that person who incites them to do the attacking that's a problem. People are not your enemy. Nobody on this world, on this earth, is your enemy. The enemy is Satan and and uh, and his um, demonic forces. They are the true enemy. Our hope is that the people of the world, because they are the ones who Jesus came to save, our hope is that they will all hear the word of the Lord and come to know him. That's what we are hoping for. And that's why we don't judge anyone. It's not our place to judge because we don't know what the Lord is doing with those people. And if you want the classic example of how this works, think about Paul. Paul was the greatest opponent of the Lord Jesus Christ when he was alive, before he came to the Lord, before he walked down the uh, Damascus Road and was converted. Prior to that, he had letters to go and take the the early Christians to find them and to incarcerate them, lock them up. Some of them were killed. Some of them were stoned. Some of them were beaten. And he had the power of the church, of the authorities, to go and collect these people and lock them up. And then the Lord moved. And then the Lord spoke to him on the Damascus Road, said, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And that's the thing. We no one at that time could have possibly known that Paul was going to become the Apostle Paul that we know uh, today, who wrote so much of this uh, of this New Testament and opened up our understanding of how it works. Because that was the work that Paul 
basically did. Um, Jesus gave the apostles, the early apostles, uh, and he gave people like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they were the witnesses to what Jesus' life was all about. They wrote about the gospel. They wrote about the words that Jesus spoke. Paul, because of his deep understanding of the law and his deep understanding of the prophets, he then took that knowledge after the Lord had spoken to him and the Lord guided him and taught him to be able to reveal to us how the new covenant worked, what it was all about, how it worked, why it was the way it was, and uh, and to be able to see from the prophets and from the law how this all worked and how it all was put together. And then probably the best example of that is to read the book of Romans, where it talks about it starts with the man of the world who is a, who is a sinner, and then it goes through the process about how they come to the Lord through faith and how they uh, um, are baptized and they receive righteousness by faith. They're set free from their sins. They're set free from the law. They receive the Holy Spirit. They learn to walk in the Spirit. They learn about no condemnation. Then they learn how to walk in love. And in the end, they are transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And that's the progression of the book of Romans. And that's truth. And as he says here, for we are not contending against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the world rulers, this present darkness, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's who our enemy is, not the people. So we can't judge anyone because we don't know who the Lord has his hand on. The most evil person that we might meet or know or hear about might be the next person that the Lord says, no, you're mine. Ephesians 6, I'm um, going on, verse 13 says, Therefore, take the whole armor of God, and there it is, it says it again, the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. Now, to gird the loins with truth, that's to wrap it around you, to have the truth wrapped around you so that you are protected. Gird your loins with truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, the breastplate covers all of the vital organs. And when we learn and understand what the free gift of righteousness is, how we receive it, and we can remember at all times that we have been declared righteous by God, which is what he did. This is what the free gift of righteousness is. When we can remember that, then we are covered so that the devil can't attack our vital organs. Having shod your feet with the equipment of the gospel of peace. Now, an army marches on boots, and they've got to have good, solid boots to be able to march in. Well, our boots in this spiritual army is the equipment of the gospel of peace. We walk by the gospel. We walk by peace. As we walk with Christ, we learn the gospel and we learn to find peace. We learn to be able to put away from us all of the distractions that would lead us away from peace, and we learn to find peace. Verse 16, besides all these, taking the shield of faith, with which you can quench all the flaming darts of the evil one. If you've ever seen any of the um, any movies or even, even uh, some of the newscasts of um, riot police and people like that, um, some of the old Roman um, armies, the shields that they have are big. Now, he's not talking about those tiny ones, that uh, the little round ones that go on the, uh, on the arm like uh, some of the soldiers used to wear back in the old days. He's talking about the big ones because with those big shields, they can 
slam them down onto the ground and stand behind them so that anything that gets shot at them, you know, bows and arrows or uh, any projectiles and things like that, will just bounce off. And as it says here, um, taking the shield of faith with which you can quench all the flaming darts of the evil one. So when you have this shield of faith, that's the important part of this armour. When you have faith, your faith will quench all of the evil darts, the flaming darts that the devil throws at you. Because he's going to try and make you feel condemned. He's going to try and say you're not as good as what you think you are. He's going, going to tell you that you're evil, that you're not a good person and all these things. But we know that in Jesus Christ, in Romans 8 verse 1, it says, um, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. But the devil wants you to condemn yourself. So you cannot fall to that trap. And the reason, or the way in which you can prevent that happening is by holding fast to your faith. You can say, no, the Lord has died for me. He set me free, set me free from sin, set me free from the law. So don't you try and put me under law, dirty old devil. He has set me free from the law and I will not be condemned by you or by anyone else. And I will not condemn myself either because he has given me the free gift of righteousness through faith. And that's what we have. That's why the shield of faith is so important. Because if you believe in what Jesus has given you, if you believe in what the Lord has given you through faith, then the devil can't get through that. And take the helmet of salvation. And the helmet of salvation, you know, that's where you've got to keep your mind. You've got to remember that you're saved. That's why they put the helmet on the head. You've got to keep your mind constantly on the fact that, no, the Lord has saved you. The Lord has saved you. It doesn't matter what other people say. You have been saved. You've got this helmet of salvation. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, one of the interesting things about this is some people have, have of thought that the sword of the Spirit is the Holy Spirit. But it's not, because as you read that, it says, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's the Word of God. It's this scripture, these scriptures that we're reading, that is the sword of the Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit can fight on your behalf. The Holy Spirit has been given to be able to be part of this whole process of fighting against the evil one and helping you to fight against the um, passions of your flesh and the passions of human nature that would lead you to sinfulness and sinful ways. But he can't do that unless he is armed. The Holy Spirit has to be armed with the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Your responsibility and my responsibility is to arm the Holy Spirit. We have to study the Word. We have to learn what it says. We have to read it. We have to be so have it so deeply ingrained in us that it's just there. When a situation happens, the Word is just there. And the Holy Spirit will bring that Word to our remembrance when we need it if we have armed the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus was armed with the Word of the Spirit when he faced the devil in the 40 days in the wilderness. Because each time the devil threw an attack at him, Jesus said, it is written. And he fended off the, the attacks of the devil through the power and through the understanding, through the knowledge of the word, through the sword of the spirit. And this is what we have to do as well. So he says, pray at all times in the spirit. Now you can't pray at all times in the spirit unless you have received the spirit. If you haven't received the Holy Spirit, you can't pray in the spirit. Prayer in the spirit is speaking in tongues. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 14. 
prayer in the Spirit is speaking in tongues. If you haven't received the Holy Spirit, then you can't pray in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. So every time you pray or every time you make some kind of supplication to the Lord, pray in your own language, you know, English in my case. Um, it could be uh, any other language uh, from wherever you're from the, who, who happens to be listening to this. But you pray in your own language and then pray in the Spirit as well. This is my process. Every time I pray, I pray to the Lord and I say, Lord, this is what I want. This is what I need. This is where I'm at. This is, I don't understand this. Help me to understand this. Show me what's going to happen, etc., 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 whatever it might be. And then I pray in the Spirit. And when I'm praying in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit speaks to the Lord on my behalf in tongues. And he might be saying something completely different to what I'm saying. He might be saying, yes, I agree with what he's saying. Uh, he needs to know this, that, and the other thing. Or he may be saying, no. Don't give him these things or don't give him these things just yet because he needs to learn a lesson. Uh, I don't know what he's saying, but it's always a good practice. Every time I pray, I pray with my own mind and then I pray with the Spirit. And if you read 1 Corinthians 14, you'll see that Paul did exactly the same thing. So pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints. And so this is the armour of God spoken about here in Ephesians 6. Now, I've been talking about truth in this whole thing, but the whole lot of this is all relevant. And so part of this armour, as we see, is to gird your loins, having girded your loins with the truth, as it says in Ephesians 6 verse 14. But all of those other things, you need the truth with everything else, with the breastplate of righteousness, with the gospel of peace on your feet, with the helmet of salvation, and with the um, sword of the spirit and the shield of faith. You need all of them. That's why he says at the start, put on the whole armor of God. says it twice. Put on the whole armor of God. And part of that armor, a very important part of that armor, is the truth. You need to... Fill yourself with the truth. And to do that, you need to study the scripture and learn. Anyway, that's all I have to say um, for this week. Um, I've got one more session that I'm going to do on this. And the last session I'm going to do, uh, which will be next week, is about guarding the truth. Because once you've got it, you've got to hold on to it because there are plenty of people who are going to try and take it away from you. So, as I said, this is uh, all I have for this week. Um, I hope to, to uh, have you listen again next week. And this is John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast signing off and saying I hope you have a blessed week ahead and I hope to see you again next time. All the best. God bless. Mm-hmm.